All right, so um, a, a few months ago, HL talked to me about today, about uh, uh, preparing a sermon um, for you guys, and, and I had a whole lot of different ideas that I wanted to go with, um, and, and just because, I mean, if you guys have been here, been coming here for a while, you'll know that following HL as a speaker is just one of the toughest things in the world. We seriously have one of the best pastors around, and one of the best teachers um, that I've ever had the honor of sitting under, so it's, it's just been, uh, it's, it's been slightly stressful uh, trying to, to make sure that, that what I have to say is, is good. And I was praying about it um, earlier this week. And it's one of those things where you, you think you have the outline uh, of what you want to say, uh, and then all of a sudden you're praying, and then God just is like, okay, here's what you had, and I'm going to just throw a curveball at you and take it in a different direction. And, and so that's what's happened today. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about it. Uh, and and uh, it's going to be called, uh, my, my sermon today is called When Lazarus Dies. So it sounds kind of heavy, but we're actually going to talk about trust today. Um, so what is trust? Uh, we're going to talk about trusting in God. Trust, the, the definition of trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Uh, one of the most recent times that I really had to trust something that I wasn't sure of, we could actually pull up that picture. Um, last week, uh, I got to go, last weekend, uh, I went to Red River Gorge. Um, here in Kentucky, and that is a picture that I took. This place is beautiful. I don't know if you guys have ever been here, but this place is awesome. And, and I got to go there last week, and uh, I went with the goal of getting to this place that's called Cloud Splitter. Uh, and it is, it's uh, kind of a secret trail to get up to this place. There's, it's an unmarked trail. Uh, literally, the directions say when you pass this certain parking lot for another trail, you're going to see this little tiny gravel pull-off. You're going to pull off there, then you're going to walk uh, almost a mile, and then there's an unmarked trail on the side, and just trust it, okay? This trail is going to get you to the, to the top of this mountain. And uh, so it's very sketchy. You don't trust it at all, but we did it. And, and we, we got to climb up to um, the top of Cloud Splitter. And uh, when we get up to the top, we follow this unmarked trail. We get to the... Right, just right, um, right beneath the summit of this mountain, there is a rope that's just there. Uh, and it's, it's kind of like a rope that you would use to, to tie down things in, in, you know, in the back of a truck. And, and there's a rope that is tied there, and the only way that you can get to the summit of Cloud Splitter is by climbing this sketchy rope that you don't know how it got there, you don't know who tied it, you don't know how secure it is, or what's going on. And I've never been a person really to do any physical activity my entire life up until here recently. I've just never been a physical, like climbing ropes is not something that I would normally do. It's not something I do for fun, and I never had to do it in, in uh, physical education growing up. So we get up to the, the bottom of the summit, and here's this rope, and, and I went with uh, my girlfriend Tavi, and, and Tavi is, is very fit. She uh, I mean, before I could even turn around, she was already at the summit of the mountain. She had already climbed it, climbed up the rope in no time. And so I'm like, oh, man, you know, she's already up there. I'm down here. What, what am I going to do? And so I, I just grabbed this rope, and I'm like, okay, she just climbed it. I just got to trust that this rope is going to hold me up. And I've never climbed this thing before. And, and, uh, and so I did. I took it one step at a time, and I'm sure my form was immaculate because I'm perfect at everything that I do. Uh, I just get it right the first time every time. And, and so, uh, no, it basically consisted of me like bumping against the side of the rock, just back and forth. It's like I can't even get my footing up to the side. But I made it. We made it up to the top, and I was able to take this picture. And, and we climbed it three times because I loved it so much, and I'm sure she was sick of it. But that's what happened. And, and uh, 
Because it was, it was that, that whole trail was based on trust. You just had to just trust the directions that you had. And, and, and that's what I'm going to talk uh, uh, about today is, is trust. All relationships that we have are built on trust, right? Uh, you wouldn't have a good relationship with your family if you didn't trust them, uh, with your spouse or, or with anyone if you, if you did not trust them. And uh, with your coworkers, every relationship that you have, it's got to be built on trust. If you don't have trust, I mean, how, how loving or how, how intimate can you know someone uh, if you don't really trust them? And so the thing is, is, is our relationship with God should be a relationship based on trust. And that sounds, you know, this sounds like a very vague topic, but we're actually going to go kind of in depth on, on what trust looks like. Um, Jesus says in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he says, So don't worry about these things, saying, what will you eat, you know, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So right from the get-go, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, trust me. He's about to send them out to, uh, uh, to go out and, and minister to all the different uh, cities around, and, and they have no money and they have no job, and, and he says, look, just trust me. And those kinds of things are scary, to have a relationship with, uh, with God built on, built on that kind of trust to where you, you have nothing. Um, but a Christian is supposed to live a life trusting in the providing nature of God. But the question I want to pro, uh, uh, pose to you today is, what, what, how do we trust in God when things seem out of control? How do we trust in him when tragedy strikes? Those are intense, intense questions. How do we trust in a God that to a lot of people, it, seemingly, it, it looks like he seemingly allows bad things to happen to good people. Why do bad things happen to good people? Those are tough questions. And, uh, and so I think to get to the heart of the matter, to, to really get to understand these questions and, and how to understand these, is to get to the very heart and the nature of God. We have to know what God is like in these situations if we're going to trust him. What is his personality like? Does, when we see God in the Old Testament, sometimes it can look very different from God in the New Testament and through Jesus. And so how do we, what do we do about that? And so in, uh, the, the, where we want to start is we start in Hebrews 1. Um, I think that this passage is so valuable to, uh, to Christians everywhere because of what it has to say about the nature of God. We want to know what God is like, Right? That's, that's, that's the heart of it all. And uh, so in Hebrews 1, the author says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. I might have uh, paraphrased a little bit. Um, in verse 3, it says, The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And, and that, that verse right there shows you that if you want to know what God is like, you have to look at Jesus. That is the character of God. See, sometimes people can take God and, and try to make him into their own and, and say, you know, that God is a, is a, is a righteous God and he's, he's angry and he has this righteous anger. And, right. and, and then we have, uh, then we, we also have... The, the like super like 
God is so loving and he is so gentle. And we have a mix, like we have all these different views. But if we really want to know what God is like, we have to look at the, the character and the nature of Jesus. We have to look through the lens of the cross, through the lens of self-sacrifice. That, that Jesus, that God humbled himself. In 1 Thessalonians it says that he emptied himself to become Jesus and, and to, to, to come down to earth and be with us and to die for us. That that is ultimate humility. And that is the nature and the character of God. And that's what we have, we have to look at it like that. Uh, Jesus is the express image of God's person. He is the definitive revelation of God's character. And so if we want to know what God is like, we have to look at, it, uh, look at him through Jesus and through his ministry. So in light of that, we have to ask, okay, did people trust Jesus? Yeah. When Jesus told people to go to the cities and, and not worry about anything, guess what they did? They trusted him. He had proven himself. His life and his ministry, it, it, he had proven himself and they trusted him. Was there ever any time that Jesus broke anyone's trust? No. Um, no. And I would make the case that there was probably an almost, that someone may have been, may have almost, almost been hurt at Jesus. Um, and we're going to talk about that story uh, right now. So let's go to John chapter 11. He's going to pull it up on the screen. So it says, uh, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Well, let me give you, actually, let me give you some backstory on this. Uh, so let me pause. Uh, uh, Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. These are uh, people that are found in the book of John. And Lazarus had gotten sick and died. Um, and, and Jesus was very close to this family. And, but Lazarus had died. And, and he had been dead for a few days now. And, and they were mourning this tragedy. And uh, so Mary arrives and she sees Jesus, and it says, She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. And he said, Where have you put him? And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, and a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead, uh, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Don't, don't open that thing. It's, it's, no, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing for our family. You're gonna, he's dead in there. What are you doing? Don't do that. Come on. And, and Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe. And so they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And what's cool about this story is, is Lazarus rises from the dead. Jesus resurrects Lazarus, and he's alive, and, and that's, that's how this story ends. And, but but the, the focus of the story, in my opinion, is not on the resurrection. A lot of people just want to go straight to the resurrection about God's resurrecting power and, and who he is. But I think the most important part of the story is you really get to see the nature and the character of God. When tragedy strikes, how does Jesus respond? He weeps. And in light of what we read in Hebrews, if we want to talk about God, we have to understand that when tragedy strikes, God is not emotionally indifferent. He's not, he's not 
you know, out here. He is emotionally invested and involved in our everyday lives. You know, it says that the hairs on our head are numbered and that God deeply knows us and he deeply cares about us and that he responds in the same way that Jesus responded in this situation. He weeps and, and, and it's, it's frustrating to him to see us go through tragedy. And, and that, it's, that's not, that is not, uh, uh, that, that's not what he wants for us and that he, he, wants, he wants his children to, to be happy and to, and to grow deeply in love with him. And so, uh, yeah, he's not emotionally detached. But the question still stands. We have to say this. We, we have to get to the heart of this. Is why do bad things happen to good people? Because God can be deeply emotionally involved with us. And he can, uh, during tragedies, he, can, he is deeply moved. But why did it have to happen in the first place? You know, if that's God's response, if he's sad to hear it, and if, if that is the case, then why do they happen? And so um, back in March, H.L. Uh, preached a sermon. It was part of this Can You Have a Brain and Be a Christian sermon series. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that one, but it was awesome. Uh, I, every, every single one of those sermons was just uh, amazing. And there was one that he did that was called This Far and No More. And so I'm about to butcher it completely by giving you a brief summary of it. But I would highly suggest that if you, if you get a chance, go back and check it out. That is seriously one of the, the best sermons I've heard in a long time. And, and, uh, but it's, it's called This Far and No More. It was on March 8th, so if you want to look it up. But uh, in that sermon, H.L. talks about that there, there is an enemy of our soul. Um, and his name is Satan. And he, and he, he has, you know, he has a, a, an army of darkness. They cause chaos and destruction. And that, and that this, this being Satan exists. And, and due to uh, his, his power that's, that's over the earth and the, and, the, uh, and the things that happen, due to that, chaos and destruction happen. And they happen to good people. Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes these things just happen. And we also know that we live in a world full of free moral agents. That God, when he, when he created human beings, that he gave us perfect free will. And in order to have free will, you have to have some kind of risk, right? It's, it's our free will to choose to love God and to live a life that's, that's holy and righteous. But then it's also someone else's free will to drink and drive and kill someone. And that person may be innocent, but, but due to free will, there has to be some kind of suffering. And that's essentially the heart of what, what H was talking about a few months ago. And that's kind of what I t- want to talk about today is that, is that we have to deal with the fact that bad things do happen to good people due to, due to the enemy and, and due to free will. And, and that's, that's, this is the world that we live in and that we have to be okay with that. But the thing is, that does not mean that God is not in control. And, and so uh, I just want to reference a couple things just to kind of hit home what I was talking about um, with the enemy in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, uh, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Um, the illustration was used, uh, I believe, by Greg Boyd, and I think actually H brought it up in, in that sermon, uh, where the life that we live is like a battlefield. Imagine, uh, imagine that you're, you're in a battlefield, you're in a war zone, and, and you can't see the enemy, but you're being bombarded by it. You're being bombarded by the enemy, and you can't see it, and you're radioing for help. 
and, and you know help is on the way, and it's kind of cutting in and out. And like that is essentially what life can be like, because it's a battle. It is a battle between good and evil, between light and darkness. And, and we're kind of caught up in this battlefield. And, and that illustration was used, and it's saying that ultimately our side is going to win. Ultimately, God is going to have the victory. But right now, life is a battle. It's a battle. And, and uh, knowing that, uh, we have to know that, yeah, bad things are going to happen. And, and that it's not God's fault. And that it's, you know, that, that we have to still be able to trust in God. And so, uh, but if we're going to place our trust in Jesus... We have to look at how he reacts to those situations. And so I think that that story is so important for us today. Um, that we, the way Jesus responds and reacts. Because um, when I was talking about earlier, and I said that the most, I feel like the most important uh, part of that story is, is how Jesus reacts. But here's the thing. When, when Jesus finds out that all this has happened, and he's weeping, and he's, he's hurt, and he's upset. He still has a plan. He still is able to move, and he's still, he's still able to, and he raised the dead back to life. And, and even though it looked like that he, he was weeping and, and, and all that he was hurt, it doesn't mean that God does not have a plan. That Jesus had a plan and a perfect response to that situation. Now, when tragedy strikes us, it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust in God, but we have to know that he's right here with us, that he knows us and he deeply loves us, and that even when, even when he's relating to us and he's, he's getting down in the muck with us and, and uh, here to comfort us, that it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan, that he has a response. He has a response to every tragic situation, and that it's up to us to trust in him. Jesus calls us to trust. Proverbs um, chapter 3, uh, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Um, I love that verse because uh, I, I like to think that I have a good sense of direction. Um, I like to think that it's hard for me to get lost. Um, and it's because, it's because of my dad. My dad, is, uh, he, he's a person that he has the memory of an elephant whenever it comes to driving somewhere. And it, because when he was an evangelist, he, he traveled across uh, you know, the eastern side of the country, and he just learned where everything was and remembered how to get there and never needed a map. And when we wanted to go to Florida or, or anywhere on vacation, he just knew where to go. And I like to think that I got that from him. Um, but I've had to learn to trust in other, other options. For <laughs> Just yesterday, I was just driving back from Indiana, and I was like, yeah, no, I remember we have to get across this bridge. I know where I'm going. And I almost got us completely lost. Uh, I, I am sometimes, I'd like to think that I have a really good sense of direction, but sometimes I just don't. And so I, I love that, you know, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You won't get lost. If your trust is in Jesus, you're not going to get lost. And, and that your faith is always going to be rooted and grounded in who he is. Today we sang the song, uh, Good, Good Father. And that we talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago, and when we sang that song before, that that God deeply loves us and, and he cares about us and that his nature, we know that at the end of the day, God is good and that God loves us and that he is a good father. And that's so powerful to us today. And so knowing that, we have to learn to trust. When tragedy strikes, when, 
you know, I, I know there was a uh, there was a friend of mine that um, that just recently their their family is going through a a, um, a crisis where you know someone in their family actually had a, a heroin overdose, and uh, and they're good people. They they grew up in church and and uh, they loved Jesus and and I, I served with them on on we had a puppet team and. <laughs> at our old church, and, and we served together, and we ran together, and then there was a, a, an overdose, and, and right now they're fighting for their life, and this family, this family that had been, I feel like it had kind of pulled away from church a little bit, and, and uh, they, they now recently, you know, because when crisis comes, you naturally, you try to trust a little more, you try something to hang on to, and, uh, and so I believe that God has a response for that situation. I believe it's a good response, and I believe that ultimately he has our best interests at heart, and, and that sometimes bad things are going to happen to good people, but God has it under control, and he's always going to be watching out for us.